0: And they've got keys. Good night. And ducks it down.
1: Eight points in front. Facing adversities over and over again and climbing the mountain. Eight seconds. Final seconds playing out. End of a fabulous tournament. Rebound into the hands of Hunter. And
0: Virginia with the all-time turnaround title.
2: And that was virginia winning the national championship 85 77 final joey i have to give you your props before i even welcome in everybody from the show yeah it's april 9th 2019 the tournament's over joey tisek he called this he picked virginia to redeem themselves and you know what he was right. Joey, take the floor. It's all Congrats yours. to Joey so, Tyson Joe, for being the only person the on o- the planet that picked Virginia person. to win. Whoa, whoa. He is the
0: one. He is a prophet. The sports. Listen. Hats off, he, Joe. He has, he has it all. Know, hats off. Give, give it up to this give man Give it up to here. Joe, guys.
2: One more, one more second round of applause. You know, we have to. For have NCAA
0: to. tournament picks, if you don't go to this, you don't want to win. You don't, don't want to win, win you know, money. You don't. I mean, He'll just, make sure to let you know, exactly. too.
2: He picked he, Texas Tech.
0: What what a guy! What is he not? What is he not? What,
2: have? what he has everything
0: exactly. It's I told college. you at the beginning <laughs> of this tournament. <laughs> I told, he's cocky, ladies and gentlemen. That Virginia
1: was on a redemption tour. UNBC, you can't. I'm what if I, lie, can't celebrate? What anymore? if I told you?
2: I'm not gonna lie. They should. They could have lost every single game they played in this tournament. And hey,
1: <laughs> sometimes you have to have a little luck to win tournaments. And that's what happened. A little.
2: I mean, they had luck in round of 64, round of 32, sweet 16, elite eight.
1: And they're holding the trophy. That's all that matters. I finally got to win uh, my family bracket, which was a lot of fun this year. Um, We had (coughs) my dad, my uncle, my grandpa, and myself all with different – and my cousin – or my cousin, not my grandpa, sorry – Play the Oscar music for a speech that's too long.
0: Huh? Play the Oscar music for a speech that goes on too long. (laughs) But for each
1: for each of them, you guys aren't cutting me off on this one. Um, but for each of them, uh, each Final Four team, whichever one won the whole thing, would win it. So Virginia winning was great. Um, yeah, feels good. I had the uh, almost had it last year with Michigan, but uh, this year Virginia pulled through.
0: You know, I know, you for things are getting pretty serious. I'm happy for the greatest player in Virginia history, Ralph Sampson, who was a monster among men but could never win a championship. And that's been hung over his head for a long time, so the Giant finally got... I, I think when he won an NBA yeah. title, he was fine. I don't, I don't know about that. He was four-year player of the year in college. You are the most scary thing ever, and you can't win a championship. There's a lot you of good college
1: players that can't win championships.
0: There are the, so. a lot of good ones, but he's one of the greatest. I'm top just, 10 greatest. I'm just saying. His, his school Chris won a Leber. championship. Congrats. Jalen Rose. He's a great. They're not one of the greatest. Ruff Sampson is a top 10. That's solidified. Solidified. Congrats, Virginia. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, Yeah, well, let's, before we dive into that one. Because we were on last week Tuesday, the Final Four weekend it hadn't began yet, so we did see Michigan State versus Texas Tech. Joe, you're the resident <coughs> state, you're a resident Sparty here on the set. Take us through that one. State fell sixty-one fifty-one to Texas Tech. Texas Tech really had their number all game.
1: Yeah, and I I don't think it was anything that, um, State really did all that wrong. Um. Texas Tech just played better, I think, in that game. It was a good game uh, through most of the night. And just later in the game, Michigan State just couldn't knock down shots. And, you know, credit Texas Tech's defense. They're one of the best defenses in the country. That's why they made it to the national championship game. And Didn't help that Cassius struggled. He was 4 for 16 from the floor. Right, and that's, that's what a big, long defense is going to do to you. Obviously, Matt Mooney had game of his tournament.
2: Yeah, 22 um, points.
1: Definitely propelled them to that win. But Jarrett Culver was huge down the stretch for that team, and he kind of sealed the deal against Michigan State and kind of put that game away with a big three late in that game.
2: And I think the three point line is really what kind of determined this one. Uh, Texas Tech shot 40% from three, while Michigan State shot 29.
1: Yeah, that's a big I, difference. I think the biggest thing, too, is like Texas Tech is one of those teams that people, I think me and Malik have talked about it, where like people don't think that they have any offense. But they have some guys that make shots when they need to, and that's kind of the most important part. Yes, they're a defense first team, but they have guys that can knock down. Yeah, big we shots. talked
2: about last week on the show. They're like Michigan State, but maybe more of a defensive first team. Than right. Michigan State. Uh, Malik, what'd you see from that
0: one? Uh, Texas Tech really flexed their strength on defense, like he said, and they they just they put their foot on Michigan State's necks when they had to. They held Cassius Winston in check and made sure that nobody else was able to get going really from the offensive end. And in the end, they they just they did what they had to do. Jarrett Culver showed why he's going to be a lottery pick. He's dangerous on every part of the floor and he's a lockdown defender.
2: Who who does this game remind you of? NBA comparisons. There's been a lot of
0: honestly. Is I'd have to go back people to people say uh,
2: there's a lot of Paul George in this game. Well, Paul was at Fresno State. The style that Paul kind played of at Fresno,
0: but. Honestly, I I'd, I'd have I have to do more research. We'll I we'll go deeper into this when we get to our yeah. mock draft, but he's they, a little bit smaller than Paul George, yeah, right? There there are some late 90s early 2000s small forwards he reminds me of. His build, yeah. how smooth he is, his overall, his mid-range game is really good. With Trell Sprewell? It's something like that. He's got it's, length to him too. Yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff in there combined that He's 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 a really good college player. That's probably going to be a really good NBA player, maybe an All Star, but
2: yeah, there's potential for sure. I think he's one of those players yeah. that teams will take chances on late in the lottery because he's kind of that wing player. Like I'm not saying he's going to be like them, but he's kind of like a Paul George, a Kawhi Leonard, one of the, a Torian Prince, someone you can get later on in the draft. Wait a few years and they develop into something special on the on yeah. the perimeter.
0: But honestly, Texas Tech had everything on the floor and off the bench that needed to, they had the perfect game plan and the perfect players to defeat Michigan State at that point. Tariq Owens was a good matchup in the post for what Michigan State had. David Moretti and Matt Moody were good matchups for uh, Cassius Winston. <coughs> and every. How could you cough on the sound <laughs> like, are you kidding me? <laughs> and every two guard that Michigan State had to throw at them. They had the shooting. They they just had good matchups at every point, and it was a hard-fought, boring game to some people, but...
2: I mean, defense to me, I, I, I like it. I mean, that first yeah. half, it was entertaining to me. 23-21 at the end of the half, that was entertainment to me. Um, yeah, of course, I like to see some good offense, too, but if it's a good defensive game, I'm all for it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. I think Tariq Owens is one of the most exciting defensive players in the country, like just the way that he gets after it and goes after blocks and stuff is incredible. Um, you know, the other big thing that was kind of disappointing was that, uh, Matt McQuaid had a really good first half and he kind of just faded away in the second half. Yeah. I know they started to key in on him a little bit more because he was hitting a lot of shots, but he's the guy you wanted to step up and then nobody else could help him at that point, which was kind of
0: disappointing. I wondered if he was going to stay in the zone he's been in for a lot, for like the second half of the season because before that, a lot of people were upset with what Matt McQuaid had been up to this point because he he's shown flashes of this, but he never put it all the way together until this run that he's had. So he kind of resorted back to the old Matt McQuaid in that game, which you can't be really mad at completely because what without him, they wouldn't have gotten close to the run that they've made. He's played out of his mind. Best basketball of his career, so yeah, it was it was bound to happen at some point. Honestly,
2: let's I move on to the other side of the bracket: Auburn Tigers versus Virginia. Auburn let one get away. It seems they lost sixty three to sixty two. Frank guy is a story. He hits three free throws with point six seconds left on the shot. Got Kyle guy. Yeah, did I say Frank? Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> I was like, wait, I did say Frank. <laughs> Kyle guy. Uh. Hit it with hit three free, free throws with point six left on the clock. Was he fouled?
0: Oh, yeah. Easy. In the moment, I said, I was so angry because I wanted Auburn <laughs> to win so bad. Me, me and Malik. I was on the Auburn. Oh, yeah. A little, a little back story. Me, me and Malik were
1: vigorously texting each other back and forth about this whole call. Um, I was so heated. But I, I can understand, like, a lot of people. I even, I even didn't care if Auburn would have won. That would have been a great story. It would have been cool. I felt I felt bad for Charles Barkley, honestly. Um, oh,
2: stop it. We do not feel <laughs> sorry for Charles Barkley. I
1: mean, it was exciting to watch him get all excited about it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, there's no doubt. And you could tell that the Auburn player knew it. Like, as soon as he jumped towards Guy, he immediately started pulling back, and you could see, like, regret in his face, knowing that he was going to get well, too far.
2: Yeah, regardless if he fouled him or not, he put himself in a bad position. He shouldn't. You don't get that close to make the official yeah. determine the game. You right. can't in lie though.
0: In the moment that that call looked so sketchy. In the moment, because he shot it and the whistle wasn't blown at first, and then I I thought at first it was just gonna be over, and then the whistle was blown, and then everybody around me at the same time, we all were like, "No, you can't be serious," because it didn't look like a foul in the moment, and d- during the first few replays, it even looked. Like it was,
1: yeah. it's funny because um kind of prior to that time I was uh watching with the family and we had been talking about it how all tournament long it seemed like people had been following three point shooters late in games, and we're just like, you gotta watch out for that. And then it happens again. And these crucial moments that players seem to I know I know you wanna like close out, you don't want to give them any good chance to win the game like that. But at the same time, you can't follow him. So you have to play that intermediate game. And I mean, we saw it in the, in the championship game that uh, Texas tech had a chance to win the game on a late three and Virginia guarded it really well. The biggest thing for me though, with that call was like, you could tell that Kyle guy jumped straight up. Like the way that he shoots a jumper is so smooth. And he went straight up in the air. If he would have kicked his leg out at all, I would totally be yeah. on board to not call anything because I hate when guys do that he and they try sell to the foul. They ch- right. try to draw a foul. He didn't do that. He jumped straight that's- up the Auburn player. Yes. He didn't have any arm or really that much body contact, but the way the ruling is you can't land where yeah. a shooter is going to land. Like you can't get in their space. And that's, that's just how the rules are whether you like it or not. Um, so I thought it was a good call. Um, a lot of other people go back to the double dribble that was missed. Nobody saw that in real time. Exactly. All these people that don't watch basketball are the ones typically saying it. Shots fired. Joe, Joe, hey, chill. I'll say myself, though. I didn't see it either. I thought it was a normal, like, he lost the ball, and he dribbled it with one hand and regained possession. And then on replay, you see he picked, up with, picked it up with two hands. You can't do that. Um, so... It was a little bit of a missed call, but that's one where there's still enough time left. You don't, you know, it's hard to say what's going to happen after that. Like, Virginia could have still had a chance. Um, So it's hard to say, but all in all, it was a good game. It wasn't, yes,
2: Auburn fouled Kyle Guy and everyone's up in arms about it. Kyle still had to make three free throws in what had to be... The most pressure he's ever felt on a basketball court, biggest stage in his basketball career. Point six seconds seconds left on the clock. He misses one free throw.
1: They lose. <laughs> and he made the previous big three to yeah. pull them within that. Uh, range. That's impressive. I think they said he scored six points in seven seconds. I think it was something like what that. it was. Yeah. Um. So clutch jeans from Kyle Guy. Yeah. And I was I was not all in. I like I I. I knew
0: Kyle
2: Guy was solid, but I didn't know how impressive he really was until this tournament
0: started. He's he's that level of an elite shooter. Yeah. Yeah, that that game that ending that really kind of killed me because the way Auburn made that comeback mm. and how good Bryce Brown was in those last few minutes is it just it didn't seem right for a game to end that way when a team makes that type of comeback and then it just ends like flat. Yeah. yeah. no I, Virginia, I I mean
2: Virginia was up 57-47 with 524 yeah. left in the game.
0: I do
1: agree. Like, ending a game on free throws is always kind of tough, especially on a, a call. Um, yeah, you'd good. rather yeah. it just be a, a straight up game winner or something like he made that final shot. But unfortunately, that's not how it ended. And uh, Virginia moved on. Moved on to the national championship game, which, shocker,
2: Virginia won the championship. In case you didn't know, living under a rock, just didn't pay attention to the intro of the show. They won 85 77 versus Texas Tech. It took overtime. Malik said at the beginning of the show, "It was one of the most exciting games, national championship games that he's seen." Why was
0: it? He's asking you. Um, I don't know why. I just this was. Yeah, I just went blank from right there. Oh, it was a back and forth game. i the guy. <laughs> I wasn't strong right there. Okay, Joe, that Joe, was, not, that was say, not a good one. Th- thanks for uh, being Malik's, Malik's I wasn't voice. Ready. Anyway, um, I think Man. Malik's a little under the weather.
1: Um uh, it's the yeah. best national championship you, since uh <laughs> Villanova won on their game winner against North Carolina a couple of years ago, um, back in 2016. But this is just this was just a back and forth game. There was a couple times where Virginia would win went on a couple of runs where they would go to like a 10 on two 10 2 run, and then you're like, okay, well, now Texas Tech is gonna fall apart. And every time they came they came back, they came roaring back, and it was just like both teams are super defensive-oriented, but they both were making clutch shot after clutch shot. Yeah. Um. So the back-and-forth runs made the game super exciting. Um, it only felt right that it went into overtime. Um, DeAndre Hunter had a huge game. Like Everybody that really needed to play well played well. The Virginia Big Three in Ty Jerome, DeAndre Hunter, Kyle Guy all played super good. Texas Tech, I think Jarrett Culver struggled a little bit in this game. Uh, but he, for did,
2: 20, he was 5 for 22 from the floor. Yeah,
1: but he did make some clutch shots to uh, bring it back in. But he, needed, he struggled as the tournament went on, I felt like, and I think that was kind of his biggest problem. But they had other guys that stepped up. Um, uh, what's his name? Francis uh, hit a lot of big threes in this game that brought them back. Um, their guard play was just super good. And it was just an exciting game. Like there was a lot of defensive plays, but there was a lot of good offensive plays. It was just a well-rounded game, and
0: that's what was so exciting. Yeah, I, th- I think another reason why this game was so exciting because this is this is something that some fans think isn't good about this Final Four. But I think the lack of blue bloods was really fun about this. Two teams that have never won a national championship. I agree. But they're completely. both really good teams that were a fantastic matchup in the end. That is a that makes for really great basketball and I hope this happens more throughout the year. I
2: mean, you can say that with pretty much any single sport too. Yeah. yeah. You just want to see some you want to see some controversy. You want to see you want to see something yeah. else than Duke winning the championship every, two times every out of every 5 years. The Patriots win in the Super Bowl every year. The Warriors in the Warriors and
0: Cavs for four straight years. Like you need something else. I saw some people complaining that they weren't blue bloods and that was kind of weird to me. And that's even, I really had to bring that up.
1: Even with Virginia being a one seed, they didn't feel like a one seed. Everybody, they were like the worst one seed, and everybody doubted them
0: them the entire time. They were they, the worst one seed. Because they Let's, lost it. We, they we, they, yeah, they oh, were yeah. the worst, they, they one, were seed, the worst the, one seed, but that's the that's the stigma. Right. Yeah. Because they always are really good in the regular season, but then they fall apart in the tournament. Right. And even more so
2: they, losing they tried to, to fall a, apart four <laughs> times. They just couldn't <laughs> do it.
1: Yeah. They have. <laughs> they won.
0: Hey, you need luck. You need experience. They got better over the year since last year they did it
2: and talk about the feeling for uh tony bennett too exactly Great uh, win
1: more Mon- than Mon- i mean you go the from back.
2: the bottom of the barrel being were they they, they were the overall they, they held the number one, one overall seed last, last year yeah and you lose to literally the lowest seed in the tournament
1: quick side note yeah and maybe i'll overlay this on on the uh the video for this podcast cuz i'll i have to find it did anybody see Tony Bennett slapped the Virginia sticker on the bracket at the end. Yeah, I did see that. Didn't see he that. he won. Okay, so you yeah. know how you have the final sticker for the championship. He slapped that sucker as perfect as you could, one handed. He was not, he, wasn't he wasn't even aiming. looking. Yeah, like just bam, and it was like perfect. Hey, I'm, Tony, Tony I'm Bennett is a calm, OCD, cool, collected so. guy. He, he showed some emotion though. Not gonna lie, that was that was crazy. <laughs> I'm not surprised he could do something
0: like that. He just yeah, he does he does things with ease, including coaching the national championship team. Uh, well,
2: okay he let's let's
0: no, but hey man, last year he coached in the thirty and two and didn't break a sweat <laughs> he broke a sweat in the first round though <laughs> he still didn't break a sweat <laughs> he was call, he don't was sleep cool on the, don't when sleep when on those retrievers
2: upset. don't sleep on those retrievers. I'll never sleep
0: on those retrievers that twitter account is still making people happy to this day. <laughs> what do you guys think
1: of uh Kyle guy getting uh
0: player of the final four i you know in a kind of funny way two weeks ago. I told my stepdad, watch Kyle Guy win Most Outstanding Player because it seems like something that just has to happen. But, I mean, he's, he rose his level of play even to where <clears throat> he was an all-ACC player during the regular season. So you expect these types of things out of him. But you expect the off game at some point. But he he's expected to play this way. He's their best shooter. He's the best offensive player. And he did his job, and he deserves the award, honestly. Yeah, and well, I think—
2: well, well, who else would have you put in consideration, Joe?
1: I mean, DeAndre Hunter, just because yeah. of the the performance in the final game. Um, Ty but, Jerome deserves a little yeah, of that, too. I, I think that's the biggest thing, is that it's a most outstanding player of the Final Four. Well, if it was that? the tournament, maybe it yeah. could have been yeah. Jerome or Hunter. But Kyle Guy had two back-to-back big games. Um, just for that,
0: that Purdue game alone, he right. deserves a, some kind of— praise
1: yeah so i mean you know i think he was one of their best players and uh i mean he scored 24 in the final game whereas like everybody was raving over uh deandre hunter's 27 but how guy was right there kind of unnoticed in that game just because of hunter's clutch shots towards the end but i think he deserves it i mean with that being said yeah virginia
2: national championship headed back to the cavaliers anything else you guys want to talk about I mean, heading into next year, I mean, ESPN came out with their s- extremely early preseason power rankings, and MSU was ranked number one. I mean, that means absolutely nothing, yeah, nothing. but it's interesting. It's something.
0: You know what I'm excited about? What? Now that this college basketball season is over. Spring football is here. College football oh, is my almost God. back. The countdown is beginning. Malik, oh my God. Are, are you God. Re- uh, ready? <laughs> I'm disappointed. I'm so ready.
1: You're disappointed. Yeah, the worst part of the year is over. Wait, what? It ended last night. The, the worst best, part of the, the best the worst, part of the year. The worst part of the year. What do you mean? This is the worst part of the year. The NBA playoffs because are about to start. March Madness just ended.
2: Oh, the, I thought you were saying March Madness no, no, no. is the worst part of the. I was no. like, Joe, I was about to. The notice. worst
0: part of the year is when the play the NBA playoffs are over, and then there's yeah. just that middle. Yeah, third, I agree. Of True. So so baseball games and no one wants baseball uh, i mean
2: baseball's awesome
0: baseball is cool i'm just joking
2: <laughs> it is I, I like baseball but it's definitely i mean i'm more of, i'm a basketball football guy it's just how it is hey man
0: the countdown to college football is starting all right
2: we're not talking about college football right now we're not we're college not.
0: football fans you know what i'm talking about get excited
2: coming from the dude wearing a johnny manziel jersey i'm i'm interested i'll rep johnny forever well, let's get back johnny to football. Football. this is
0: for the aaf okay the league folded it. It sh- wasn't you should
2: supposed put a, to You it. should put duct tape over that helmet and write AAF, not that Browns logo on it. Hey, there. man,
0: this isn't for Cleveland. It's the, for that too. It's not, you can and say it's not for Cleveland.
2: Bag. It's a, Cle- There's a, Cleveland right is a, a Cleveland logo right in front. This is a Detroit podcast, and you're wearing a Cleveland logo in the studio.
0: This is a Detroit and Michigan and yeah, Michigan Yeah, okay. State yeah, and Oakland. Yeah, this is right, several right. different things. Then we why we are you wearing that Cleveland shirt in the studio?
1: Malik, Malik. It's not for Cleveland. Can I ask you a question? Yes.
0: When's the last time you were in Ohio? The last time I was in Ohio? Um, I can't remember, I can't remember, but I've been in Ohio countless times in my oh, life. Okay, I have family from Ohio, yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's like a second yeah. home to me.
2: Yeah, it's second home. Second-
0: <laughs> Chris, when's the last time hey, you've been in Ohio? It's a second home for him, okay. Yeah That's what I thought.
2: Uh, it's a second home <laughs> to answer your question. It's been a weeks week ago. <laughs> to answer your question, two
0: weeks ago,
1: <coughs> I haven't been to Ohio in like three years, probably
0: went to Cedar Point. For today. Chris, you're damn near a Cleveland Indians fan, you can't <laughs> talk as much as you're in Ohio. <laughs> how, how much you gonna be in Ohio this summer mm. watching those Indians, huh? Mm. Oh, yeah, no oh, comment. yeah, anyway, he'll be in the city, no, comment. Just, just try to spot him, anyway.
2: <laughs> uh, actually, before we move on to we're gonna talk Tigers real quick, but before we move on to that, uh, the NFL released the preseason schedule for the Detroit Lions. Mm. Uh, they week,
0: always go 4-0 in the preseason. We know what's going to well,
2: happen. Well, I'm just going to list it off. Uh, week one, it's versus the Patriots.
0: Dub. Um, <laughs> I, that's, watch them blow them out. <laughs> week is, week two
2: at the Texans. Week win. three versus the Bills. Win. Week four at the Browns.
0: Win 4-0. I'm just kidding. That's a loss. Three and one.
2: <laughs> <laughs> hey, aren't the Cleveland Browns, like aside from the Lions, one of the best pre- like preseason football teams?
0: Honestly, I'm not sure. But the Browns signed Garrett Gilbert from the AAF. It's all coming together. It's all coming together. Best quarterback in the AAF meeting with Big it's C. I'm it all comes together. Reason. Full circle. Exactly. Full circle.
2: Um, your Detroit Tigers currently sit first in the AL Central. They're 7-3. and three. They've won five straight. Uh, they lost their first game in the series in New York. They proceeded to win the series 2-1. swept the Royals. At home now they started a series today with the Cleveland Indians, three game series, playing at Comerica.
0: I have a question for you. Two well, yeah, about give me this a hot start.
1: Although their five game win streak is about to come to an end. They're it down. is currently eight to two <laughs> in the top the top of the, the, top of the eighth. The so Indians putting that will, in, that will end putting in the work. They'll be tied for the lead of the Central.
0: Well, let's hear the question, Malik. So after this hot start. Do you have any expectations? No, I have, zero, I have zero expectations.
1: <laughs> no, this doesn't move the needle at all. <laughs> no. Okay. It's just. That's all I was wondering. It's just slightly exciting. Exactly. Okay.
0: It's
2: fun, exciting. It's cool that they're Miracle playing. season.
0: Uh, no, no, okay. no, no, no. They're,
1: they're, they're
2: going to win 70 wins
1: if they're lucky. Their offense is still awful. Okay. They have – we're 10 games into the season. And they already have guys that are just struggling to hit the ball. Their pitching has been outstanding, which if they can keep that up, that would be nice to see because they got a lot of young pitchers. Um Shane Green's been the best closer in baseball That's so promising. far. Um, That's promising. Don't know how long he can keep that up either. I mean,
2: it's the beginning of it's April. Right. Come October, he will be giving up four runs in nine innings. I
1: think he set a record for having seven ga- or seven saves in the first ten games or something. Um, so with know, a run like something. that,
0: don't write him off, Chris. He I mean, could be, he could be the next hot shot. If they can get some
1: offense going, they'll win a, l- a few more games than we expected them to. Um, but, you know, we'll see how this Cleveland series goes. That's kind of the big deal because Cleveland's obviously one of the favorites. Um, but, you know, maybe they could actually be the middle of the pack, in, at least the central.
2: I'm not getting my expectations up because they did this last year. They started out pretty strong last year when they had no expectations, and they just landed flat on their face. But we do have some breaking news into the studio. Hey, we actually have a solid phone.
0: I hope it's some good news.
2: <laughs> it has to
0: do with your Michigan Wolverines. Oh, boy.
2: Oh, Big Ten Freshman of the Year, Iggy, Iggy Oh. hired an agent and will declare for the NBA draft.
0: Aye, aye, aye.
2: He's <laughs> currently number 48 in ESPN, Ooh. ESPN's top 100. Uh, Malik, <laughs> how do you feel about this?
0: Okay, listen. Listen, listen, listen. Let's hear it. Wow, he's up to 48, though. He was our uh best offensive producer this year, which was a big surprise. I expected him to be good, but after him playing this good, I'm not surprised he's going to test the NBA waters. I was going to say that
1: it's nice though that they can
0: now test. Back. Yeah. Exactly. They, they don't
1: have to commit, which is I think
0: is a great case. Exactly. So I'm not going crazy sweating right now because he I just thought that was that yeah. was
2: actually some significant news. Yeah, he,
0: he has a chance he has a chance to come back. Um the bigger question is now do you think Jordan Poole will follow? I, I think honestly, Poole should. I I don't think he should. Why? Because I don't think he should either, He showed I, so much in the first half and then completely dropped off the second half. But
2: when it comes to the NBA, it's all about youth and like your like it's I feel like when it comes to the NBA draft it's more about your attributes and like your the intangibles the intangibles. Thank you, Joe. That's the word I was going to. I hate about. that word. <laughs> but that's true. For when it comes to Jordan right. Poole, he has a lot of intangibles, and I, intangibles, and I feel like he would be a first-round pick or a late first-round pick just based on based what, on his
0: talent, he is a mid to late first-round pick.
2: But and he's got like he's got length, he's got good length, he's got good size for the perimeter. A team's going to take a chance on him just because of the position he plays. He's got a good-looking jump shot. A team probably thinks that can mold him into something that he isn't right now. That's why I think Jordan Poole uh, with the he's a sophomore he just he was just a sophomore. Yeah. So he I if you're coming out of college a junior there's just less NBA teams they don't like to draft
0: juniors. It's just how it is. At the beginning of this season I I mean after the first few weeks of this season I figured Jordan would come out because he was playing at a level that I wanted him to be at but I didn't expect him to be at so fast. So Honestly, wouldn't be surprised if he if he came out. But I to ask you this: Malik. of course,
1: I hope they come back next season. Yeah, Michigan will struggle, I think, if they don't. If come they back. both
0: if they both leave, they uh, they'll have some at some least on growing the, pains. At least
1: on the offensive side.
0: Yeah,
2: Malik, I'm gonna put you on the on the spot here. Do you think Iggy stays in the NBA draft?
0: I think he does. You think he's gone? Yeah, I, I honestly think he's gone. He he had a really good freshman season. I think he's going to show out in the combine. I think he's going to be a mid to late first round pick. Joe. Actually, a late first round, maybe.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think um if his stock stock keeps rising, I think for sure he'll he'll be gone. Um he's just got I think he's got too much talent and I think he showed enough of it that people are willing to uh roll the dice on him even though he's he's still pretty young and he you know, he faltered at certain points, but he had a lot of big games and showed that he wasn't afraid um, on the big stage, which I think is a big thing for the NBA to know that like mentally
0: he's ready for the NBA. Yeah, and, and while losing him and losing Jordan Poole would hurt immensely, I'm happy that Beeline in this freshman class and in this upcoming freshman class of the two players coming in, he has shooters com- coming up as sophomores and he has shooters in these two freshmen coming in. So unlike this team this year that couldn't shoot consistently, he has guys that are gonna work over the summer and that have that have consistent jumpers and will be dependent on the uh, hit threes consistently coming into this next season.
1: And maybe that could be similar to what Michigan State did this year and get back to a normal B line offense. A lot yeah. of the things that we said this year was that there was too much ISO ball. Like a lot of guys were just trying to like prove themselves and, you know, late in the shot clock, Charles Matthews or Breck. Brasdakis or Pool would just kind of dribble around and then pull up a shot that wasn't always the greatest. Maybe we get all these guys to be, you know, spread the floor again, move the ball, limit turnovers, play good defense, and just shoot threes. And, you know, Michigan might be a better team for
0: it. Exactly. So while this team started out hot and ended up kind of, even though they made it to the Elite Eight, kind of falling flat in the end, this could be like another beeline team a stereotypical beeline line team next year where they start out slow, get hot going into March, and then they just surprise everybody. So, right. yeah, it's down but could be a positive going into next season.
2: I know we got sidetracked from the Tigers because of the Aggie news. Is there anything else you guys want to talk about when it comes to the Tigers? Joe? I think uh, we touched on it. No, I mean- yeah,
1: I mean, it's it's still early. It's, it's a nice sight to see them doing pretty well. Yeah. But – uh. Again, I mean, we're only so far in, it's hard to say. Exactly. The
0: fact that they can give fans something to watch, right, yeah, and they th- can fill some seats is a good thing.
2: And I think it was cool. I mean, it's always nice to win opening day. Mm-hmm. Regardless, it means nothing in the long run, but it's nice to win opening day. Yeah. I want to ask you guys a question before we move on the, move off the topic of baseball. Just and this has nothing to do with specifically the Tigers. It's just my pers- like my personal view of it. I want to get your opinion on it. Joey, I want to start with you. Is 162 games for baseball too long? Does it create a lack of interest in the fans and acquiring new fans because
1: of how long the season is? Probably. For acquiring new fans, yes. I think like the baseball junkies love it. I think they love being able to watch their team almost every day, You know, turn on the game, listen to the game, however they want to enjoy it. And just know that it's always gonna be there. Something for them to watch or listen to. But yeah, I, th- I think for a more casual fan, probably similar to how we all are. Um I mean it's, I'm a, still it's a, a little ti- bit I'm a
2: big Tigers fan. They yesterday were my third i 'cause I'm I'm a basketball football guy. Right.
1: But. but it it tends to be similar to like you'll watch the team if they're in the playoff picture or they're gonna yeah. make the playoffs, then you'll you'll focus in on playoffs. But there's that mid season lull that every sport has and baseball just seems to have it bigger. Um, so I, I think it's a little bit too much. I also don't like the way that they have to um, watch pitch counts and all that stuff based on all these new analytics and stats. Um, and I think part of that is because of how long the season is. Um, so you don't you see guys that are you know held back in certain aspects of the game that maybe that hurts it. I don't know. It's it's hard to say, but I think for me personally, I would like it to be a little bit shorter of a season.
0: Malik, this is a. I think this is a really good question, and it kind of hits home for me because oh, thank you. this this kind of reminds me when I was a younger person, <laughs> when I was a kid, I was, I think I could be what you called. I was a big, casual baseball fan. Like when I was younger, Pudge Rodriguez was my favorite baseball player. I got into middle school. Big Poppy David Ortiz was my guy. The Red Sox for my team. Every time they were on ESPN, wait, 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 I wait, wait. wait, wait.
2: Why were you a Red Sox fan? The because Tigers of, were terrible because of,
0: because of David Ortiz. He was my guy. So when I was growing <coughs> up, I
1: was a big Ken Griffey Jr. and an Ichiro guy. Yeah, see those were, those so were my I'm guys. Se- so
0: I'm sure Seattle. That was that yeah. was two you Seattle ro- became kind of like yeah. my secondary so, team. Yeah. The Tigers were all David Ortiz was my guy. I loved his swing. I loved his personality, the way he played. So the Red Sox, whenever they played, I loved watching them. I had a Red Sox hat. I loved them. I loved the superstar players. I'd watch the All Star festivities, the Derby. I loved it all. When I was a kid, I didn't pay that much attention to the schedule. I just watched games every now and then because I loved watching baseball. I loved playing baseball with my friends. It was just a a fun thing to do and watch. As I get older, I realize how long the schedule is, how much more... How long the games are. Yeah, how long the games are. How how much much of a commitment it is. Exactly, and I've somewhat faded away from being a baseball fan over the years because of those types of things. There aren't many players I can stick to. There aren't many teams I can really stick to. I root for the Tigers, but as a team, they've had their times and, and they've fallen off up and down, so... For me, the, the grind of a 162-game one, season, that really affects me as a casual fan that has somewhat fallen away since I was a kid. So I'd, I'd have to say, yeah, as a casual fan. For, as a, for a baseball purist, it doesn't matter. You love the game no matter what. You're going to find the players you love, but yeah. And that's,
2: for, yeah, like you said, that's how I feel about basketball. People always say, oh, you got to shorten the season from 82. No. Oh, yeah, basketball player I, I, like, I, yeah. I eighty two is what it is. If they shortened it, I would.
0: It would I would be take it.
2: I would take a long hard look on like maybe not even like being yeah. a fan because I'd be like you're ruining stats. Like it ruins history. Unless they and did something like
0: I, expanded the league, like you said, I wouldn't be mad if they shortened the season. If they ex, if they expanded, it just somewhat. it affects
1: the it affects the history of the game. You just and, think of like the lockout season. It just it just made everything kind of weird, like all yeah. the standings and everything.
0: Yeah. Like, expansion also affects the history of the league also though
2: it does but not to the same degree of changing an eight uh, a sport that is plays 82 games throughout changing history yeah, yeah To let's say 66 like people have said that's a huge change and record records that could be broken in the future can't be now because of the shortened schedule i mean I, I, that's just the way i look at it i'm sure that's how baseball purists look at it when it comes to short people always talking about short- shortening the season from 162 to whatever I just wanted to get your opinion on that. I thought it was interesting. Just want to see what, how you guys felt about it. Moving on.
0: We should have a longer conversation about that in the summer. A, oh, yeah. a longer baseball yeah, conversation. Yeah, we'll do that. <laughs> the Detroit Pistons are
2: trying their hardest to miss the playoffs. They are trying so I hard.
0: <laughs> I had a feeling. Man. I
2: was in attendance in Sunday's game against the Hornets where they could clinch a playoff spot. I'm so sorry. Miami (laughs) lost earlier in the game. So going into it, the Pistons knew all we have to do is win, and we're in. The 0-4 champions were there. There was juice in that building.
0: People were there an hour early. People were in their seats, ready to go. You know what's funny about that? Huh? When Cardiac Kimba shows up, none of that matters. You know what's also funny (laughs) is the
1: halftime ceremony was like five
0: minutes long. Oh, my God. They deserve a loss. (laughs) They just—they deserve. It was like ten minutes. Mm. They but,
1: had they had George Blaha talk for a minute, and then they had Chauncey talk. The goat for a minute. George Blaha. They, they literally brought them all out to sit down for like a couple minutes.
0: And Darko Milicic wasn't there. What a shame!
1: <laughs> it He's, none of it worked. 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 He's There's, out at his vineyard is, tending.
0: It, yeah, to him. man.
2: There's Darko. There's exactly. Darko. Shout out Darko Milicic.
0: The rookie was not there.
2: The greatest number two pick in NBA history.
0: <sighs> Key player. Shame. 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 shame
2: Anyways, player. better
1: than Carmelo. <laughs>
2: He's got a ring. Uh, anyways, the Pistons have lost four straight. They've lost, I believe it's six out of eight. They're la- seven out of their last ten they've lost, or seven out of their last nine. Um, And it hasn't been many close games. They got close with Charlotte. They were down 23 in the first half, got it back within one. They had about six to eight opportunities to take the lead at 85-84. Could not do it. I blame Dwayne Casey a lot from going. He didn't put Andre back in the game soon enough. I understand Blake's hurt. In that situation, Blake's got to be in the game. As long as he can go, Blake's got to be in the game.
0: That's that's the thing. When Blake isn't in the game, they don't have the guys and to Blake, do what they need to do. Blake
2: was a shell of himself against Charlotte. He was. He couldn't He couldn't move. Uh, they said he's doing better now heading into the game tonight against Memphis. Uh, we'll break down the playoff scenario
1: in a second. But My biggest that- problem, though, like my argument is that Blake just scored 45 at OKC and they said he wasn't healthy then either, but he was knocking down shots in this game against Charlotte. He had a lot of open looks. His jumper looked fine. They just weren't going in at all. And nobody obviously obviously, when Blake isn't obviously obviously when he can't go to the basket, that takes away a part of his game. The biggest problem is nobody else is stepping up on this team. Except Andre is. We have to give credit to Andre Drummond. He is. He's played decent but he doesn't He's playing the best stretch of basketball in his career. But he doesn't take over games. Like that's he's a, just not who he is. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And I'm yeah. I'm just saying yeah. like I understand that he's playing really well. I I like okay. that.
0: The Andre problem.
1: <laughs> but he's that's one it. of those guys that just, you know, he can't, he can't take over a game. That's not what he is. He
0: only does so much for your team. What he does is great. What he does is great. But when it gets to you need to do something else, he he can't do that.
2: Well, he's a, he's a Rim running center, you can't. None expect of the him. scores
1: showed up in this game. Reggie Jackson was terrible. Ish Smith stepped up in this game. Ish played too he, much. They, I think he, uh, he played good. I disagree with that. I think Ish he
2: played solid. He struggled at the end of the game, and I think Casey should have went back to Reggie Jackson early.
1: Maybe, but that's that's a hard call though at that point because he was having a good game and struggled down the stretch. Reggie was having a bad game, but uh, Langston
0: Galloway was terrible. Uh, Kennard wasn't that great. This team isn't constructed to where Blake can go out and Andre does what he does and they can win. And they haven't been constructed to do that since Andre was drafted here. May- they were somewhat last year with Tobias and Avery in them when it looked like the formula might have been there. But And my biggest problem, too, with this game, because I watched the entire
1: game thinking that they had a chance to clinch the playoffs, their offense was stagnant. They they looked like Michigan basketball honestly. They were just dribbling, dribble handoff, just staying at the top, waiting until late in the shot clock and then they would Somebody just, figure it out. They would yeah. just go and try to do something and throw up a shot. Their defense was awful. They couldn't close out on three-point shooters. I don't know why Frank Kaminsky was open so many times. Yes, he had a great shooting night. He played great. Um but the other big thing, like we have Blake Griffin who's obviously hurt, so we'll kind of exclude him. But Andre Drummond and Thon Maker they couldn't protect the rim. Kemba Walker did whatever he wanted. Jeremy Lamb did whatever he and wanted. He can't Getting put into the Zaza basket. in there. Right, yeah. He's not a defender. Um, you but, can't like, put John Luehr in there. But, like, you would think that those guys would be able to protect the rim. And Charlotte got whatever they wanted in the paint. And that's that's a big problem. So, like, in this game, I know it's like, you know, you, you're just playing bad overall. But you saw all the Pistons' weaknesses in this game. And yeah. that was my biggest problem. I agree. Luke Kennard did not look...
2: There's something off about Luke. He didn't yeah, have... Yeah, he
0: didn't look, he he didn't didn't look like, aggressive.
1: He did, Yeah, he looked very passive.
0: Right. Yeah. I think he might be a head case. I, I head really case. think... But
2: uh, Decipher that for me. Head case. What do you mean by that? A head case.
0: You've never heard that term? Uh, explain but, it to the people. I've heard it in different uh, terms. Uh, there are quote-unquote head cases in NBA history where you have a guy where he is a player that can do so much for your team it is important to your team, whether it's offensively, defensively, hustle he does so much for your team and is great at times, but he can ruin your team's chances or just take a team out of a game because they don't show up mentally you do something well, in Luke Kennard's case it's shooting, produce on offense shoot (coughs) Play hard on defense. That's all you need to do. But there will be times where you can see, visibly. He has no emotion. He may be on the bench. He looks upset. He looks like he doesn't want to play anymore. His shots don't fall, and the when his shots doesn't when his shots don't fall, he he ends up being useless. And you can see a lot of times he looks visibly like he doesn't want to be there, or he just doesn't want to be in the game. I, I
1: had case. I do think that there's a. A disconnect between him and Dwayne Casey, and I, I, I think that they, he's a little bit confused of what his role on this team is.
2: I don't think that's the case anymore. I think that was early in the year. Now Luke's playing. Yeah, close there, was, there, to there's been a stretch
0: where it looks like he knew exactly what he wanted. He looked like he was in it. He wanted to play. He looked like he was there completely. Now it just looks like once again. Not, uh, it could be his. I mean, shots aren't falling. They're yeah.
2: saying he has a sore foot. It could be he's
0: not as aggressive because he's. That's that's you know. yeah. That's the ex- excuses. Sorry for interrupting, but yeah, no, you're right.
1: Excuses. No, I do agree. I, I agree, and that, that's kind of what I brought up about Blake. Is like you can't you can't rely on Blake to just carry this team night in and night out. If you're going to get in a seven game series with a team in the playoffs, there's going to be the night where Blake struggles. Somebody else is gonna have to figure it out. You gotta out. have a plan. I mean, that's not a guarantee. Playoffs I, are not a guarantee. No, anymore. I know, but I'm just saying, if if you're even thinking about playoffs, yeah, it, you know, like what's the point of even making the playoffs if you know you don't even have anybody else that can show At this up? Point, it doesn't matter. Like like right now, that was supposed to be a playoff game. Yeah, and the Pistons showed. They came out. They, with, didn't they played
2: 24 minutes out of a 48 minute game.
1: They didn't look like they play were playing a playoff game until they Charlotte, got to the third quarter. Charlotte looked like they were playing that, you know, if they lost, they lost. They the were season, eliminated. Yeah. Which was Blake, true.
0: Blake doing everything should be your last resort. Honestly. When you when you're the level of coach Dwayne Casey is, it shouldn't be hard. Honestly, I didn't see all of the game. Were guys hitting a missing wide open shots? There were, the yes, there yeah.
2: were a lot of missed. Uh, they yeah. shot twenty eight percent from three. Okay,
0: we're that's also and a they problem. Shot, and they that, shot thirty three. They, they don't have the level of players to consistently just go without Blake Griffin. Yeah. yeah, but the level of coaching that he's at, he has the ability to get people wide open. But if yeah, if those guys can't consistently hit those wide open shots, then that that goes to organization then. That goes to the way the team was constructed, and that's been a problem for years. And the
1: other problem is, too, like, you look at the Nets. They've had an outstanding season. They've played gritty and hard, and, like, they want to make the playoffs, and they've solidified that. The Magic made a big run at the end of the season to make the playoffs now, and they're locked in, and now the Pistons are on the outside, sort of. They have the highest chance, but they
0: don't look the greatest. Well, the Magic have done a lot of that. They still have point guard problems at times, mm-hmm. but with DJ Augustine and mismatching parts, they still figured it out because they they bought into something. They believe in Nikola Vucevic, and they, they just do what they have to do. Now, the Pistons are really lucky that the Heat have been losing as well. well.
2: In here, I'm going to break it down for everyone, too. As of right now, the Pistons, like we said, for the three teams remaining, The Pistons, the Hornets, and the Miami Heat, they have the highest playoff odds at 75.5%. This is all coming from ESPN. Uh, How do they get in? They win tonight against the Grizzlies and tomorrow in New York. If they win both those games, it doesn't matter what the other two teams do. They are in the playoffs.
1: And that's what we said, what was it, last week when we said they had to win two of their last five games to make sure that they were in. And they they were at that point where now they have to win the last two games. Yeah.
2: Uh, they're also in, if they win either remaining game combined with a Hornets loss in either game, and they're in, if they lose both the remaining games and the Hornets lose and the Hornets lose both their games and the heat has to lose at least one as well. So you don't want to have to rely on the other teams for a loss to get into the, into the playoffs. Thankfully, the Pistons have two very winnable opponents. Memphis is sitting about half their roster tonight, but like we talked about this, I think we talked about this pre-show. That's a dangerous time because you have players playing for Memphis that are not going to get another chance. Right. This is their chance to prove they belong in this league. They're going to play with an
1: edge. They're playing they're, for a job.
2: They're playing for their livelihood. Right. That's dangerous. Mm-hmm. If the, the I'm concerned about this game more so than I'm concerned about the New York games. Yes, so the I Pistons
0: are you. just coasting right now. And that sounds like a blowout.
2: See, I just... I. I think it has a lot to do with the Blake injury. Blake was out for a couple games that threw him off their funk. They were playing decently well before Blake got hurt. Blake comes back. He has a big game in OKC That thanks to the 9 of 14 from deep. If he doesn't make 9 threes, he's not dropping Which
0: 45. is also scary. He had to hit 9 threes for them to be in that game. And they yeah. still lose
1: by 13. That's that's my biggest problem. You have your best player score 45 on a night that he's not 100%, and you still lose the game. I know it's OKC. They're a good team. But come on. That it shouldn't be happening.
0: And that's what's scary.
1: Now, luckily, we get the Knicks for the last game of the season.
0: I'm not even saying luckily. Because uh, they look good at times, too. That's true.
2: Uh, but let's just, as of right now, let's break down the standings for you. As of today, what would be the playoff matchups? I think I've said this on the air. Right now, in the East, it would be the Bucks versus the Pistons. I think the Pistons would get would lose by 20 plus in each game and get swept. The 2-7 matchup would be Toronto versus Orlando. I don't I'm not a big fan of Orlando. The Pistons smoked them this year. If the Pistons are smoking you don't get me wrong. That's Come something on right now. But they just.
1: They <laughs> this just is beat, one game in a season. They just beat the Raptors two times in a row. That's true. They were Didn't buzzer. they beat the Celtics in they, they they Boston, too? The, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. you're right. they are playing right now. They beat the Raptors hot. on two crazy buzzer beaters from Jeremy Land.
2: But. No, wait. That, that's the Hornets. We're talking about Orlando.
1: Oh, yeah. You're right. But <laughs> Orlando's been playing well. Sorry. Yeah. They've had good
2: games. <laughs> and then uh, Brooklyn's in the sixth seed, so they would play Philly. I think that would be a really fun matchup. Uh, Philly, Brooklyn. The way I I would want it to shake out is the Pistons play Toronto in the two seven matchup, the Bucks play Orlando in the one eight. I really don't want Milwaukee. Then the four five. We
0: want anybody right now,
2: honestly. Who who do
0: we want in the playoffs?
2: The Raptors are the only slight
0: want. Yeah, exactly.
2: And then it's in the four five matchup. It's Boston and Indiana. Out west, Golden State locked up the number one seed. They can only win 58 games. There's only one team that's going to have 60 wins this year, and that's Milwaukee. That's crazy. Um, So it's Golden State versus the LA Clippers. As of now, there's a lot of moving still going. The Clippers, the Spurs, and the Thunder all sit at 47 wins. Uh, OKC has two games to play. San Antonio and the Clippers have one. So it's Golden State LA Clippers for the one eight. Two seven is Denver versus San Antonio. Three six is Houston, OKC, which would be really fun. And then four five is Portland, Utah. I feel like Houston, OKC, and Portland, Utah are like the first round series we see every year.
1: Portland, yeah. <laughs> and they they're always yeah. playing Utah. Well, I mean um, they played the Pelicans last year, but you know no one cares about the Pelicans. Well, they swept the Trailblazers last season. Any
2: of those matchups interest you guys? Any team you're really looking forward to watching the playoffs and you can't say Golden State.
0: From the beginning of this season, I've been uh, on the Utah bandwagon. So I'm, I'm, really I'm inter- excited to see them.
2: I'm really interested in Denver. I want to see how they play because they haven't they have made the playoffs with this core group. I think they're a prime candidate for upset. If you play San Antonio or OKC, I might pick against Denver.
0: I'd, I'll I'll agree with you on that one because – for them to take this the jump, the fact that they're a two seed the, in the yeah, West. For them is to take insane. this jump this fast, did you, you had if you think you know what to expect out of them in the playoffs, you're lying. Yeah, you don't. Because a team this young that has played this good, it's it's impossible to know what they're how they're going to respond in the playoffs. I expect them to sh- to show signs of being a really good playoff team, but i I wouldn't be surprised if they were pushed to seven in their first series. Honestly. Yeah, I, I expect them to, to win their first series, but I wouldn't be surprised if they were pushed to seven.
2: Joey? Clippers.
0: and oh, yeah, think, You're a big Clippers especially guy.
2: Especially
1: if the Clippers uh, get in that seven slot um, and they don't have to play the Warriors. I think they're a fiery young team, and I think they're dangerous. I I just think they're kind of fun to watch because,
0: you know. Every time we bring them up, I'm going to say the Lakers are stupid. if Zubac is that guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, worst trade of the season? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Poor Mike Muscala. I agree. <laughs>
1: Um next week we couldn't really do
2: our playoff preview because a lot of the matchups are not set so we didn't do it this week. We're going to postpone it to next week to do our whole NBA playoff preview. Yes, there'll be a game played probably with every team, but it'll just work out better to give us a, a better analysis of each matchup. So we will do that next week. Um this this week with the regular season coming to an end tomorrow night, we are going to do our official NBA awards for the regular season. We're going to go round table. We're going to get each person's award. Joey, you're going to start us off, coach of the year.
1: Um, you know, I feel like this is actually harder than you think cuz uh there's a lot of good teams that stepped up. I think uh honorable I'll give an honorable mention real quick uh Nate McMillan for the Pacers. I think they played super good even without Oladipo the way that they played down the stretch. Um, but I think you got to give it to Kenny Atkinson. Really, Brooklyn.
2: I I hope that happens just, because you never really see a middle of the pack team get right. the coach of the And year just award. because
1: nobody expected anything from this team and to uh, get guys like Karis Levert the way he started the season and now he's kind of getting back to form, um, being able to juggle the combo guard of D'Angelo Russell and Spencer Dinwiddie, I didn't think that would work out really, but it has, and it's worked out fabulously. And then they have a bunch of just role players that play
0: really well, Malik. I think it should be Kenny Atkinson, but I think it's going to go to Mike Malone in Denver. I, I mean, those the way they've – everybody expected them to be a playoff team this year, but for them to jump up this fast, I mean, everybody knew Mike Malone was a good coach, and he just never got a chance to stick with the team. He kept getting the short end of the stick. He's finally showing how good of a coach he is, and he honestly, he, he deserves – it's, it's so hard. Kenny Atkinson did so, he did a miracle job almost with his Brooklyn team. Are you but, are you
2: swaying yourself right now? <coughs> are you gonna pick Kenny Atkinson? I'm there? not.
0: I'm not picking him because I, I, the NBA it takes the guy with the most wins that also did a great job. Usually, there's so, a
1: lot of and I feel like there's a lot of good coaches this
0: season yeah, that did really
1: are. good jobs. Another one is Nick Nurse. I was just gonna Rafters. say Nick Nurse. I know who Chris's pick is,
0: but we'll yeah. let him go. But yeah, I, 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 gonna, I I have a feeling Mike Malone's gonna win it. See,
2: I have the opposite. I have a feeling it's going to be Mike Boonholzer, coach of the year. You know, I told you yeah. before the season, Boonholzer was the best acquisition for the Bucks. Malik didn't want to hear it. He didn't trust Milwaukee guy. Uh, Malik, do you trust Milwaukee yet?
0: I trust them to make the finals. Yes.
2: Okay. Thank you. Thank you. That's what I
0: needed to hear. But it's turned around because of a person that you would not expect. Who? It has turned around because of. Give me a minute. I forgot his name. Oh, my God.
2: All right. Rookie of the year. Yikes.
0: Oh, yikes is correct.
1: (laughs) Rookie of the year, man.
2: Let's hear it. Also, we have about a couple minutes left in the show. So,
1: okay.
2: Uh, We can't Um, get into the big debate with it, but it's
1: obviously a two horse race. I really want to say Trey Young, but I think. uh, Just say Luca. I think I'm just going to say Doncic just because he offers more to the team.
2: And then Malik, you got Trey Young,
0: Pat Connaughton.
2: Oh, my God. Stop. Pat Connaughton
0: became a good NBA player. Everybody on that team is playing good. I don't understand it. Bucks can make the finals. <laughs> Malik. You heard it here first. The Bucks have 60 wins because of Pat Connaughton. Malik, yes, sir. rookie
2: of the year, Trey Young? Yeah. Uh, sixth man of the year, Joey.
1: Oh, geez. This is
2: easy. This is the easiest award of them all. Are I-
1: we giving it to Lou Williams?
2: Yeah, 100%. Okay. Lou is 100%. averaging 20 points per game on a playoff team off the bench. Luke, Luke, we have to. Uh, Defensive player of the year. This is interesting to me. Jeez. I want to see what you guys oh, say. Oh, well,
1: since uh, Paul George fell off the MVP race, uh, I'll give it to Paul George.
2: Oh, okay. Malik.
1: Why not, Paul George? I'm a big PG guy.
2: I, I, I got Rudy Gobert.
0: That's a decent choice. Malik. After he cried, <laughs> he deserves it. Thank you. <laughs> but Paul George. Oh. MIP. I'll start this
2: one off. D'Angelo Russell. D'Angelo
1: Russell. <laughs> Pascal Siakam.
2: I knew Joe was going at that, that one. Yeah. I think it's a toss-up between the two.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I'm
2: fine with either one. I would just like to see D'Angelo get it.
1: I just think uh, Siakam actually improved more. I think we've seen glimpses of this from Russell in the past. He's just put it but all together. Yeah, he's season. never put it all together like he
2: has. All right, and I'm interested to hear what you guys say about this one. I have Giannis Tentacumpo for MVP. What do you guys got? You
1: know, I actually started to consider Harden a bit. You know, I, I didn't like the way he was playing during his, his stretch of 30 points, but I think he's played really well lately. But I'm still going go to go with Giannis, the best team in the league. Without him, they would be nothing. So, Giannis.
0: Malik, is James averaging, Is he averaging 37 a game, 36? Yeah,
1: what it's like 36.3 or something.
0: Yeah. 36 points a game. Without him going on that unbelievable run, everybody's on the Giannis train, and I I haven't been on that train all season. I haven't just been sucked into what everybody else thinks. But the Bucks are so you got good. a free
2: mind. You got a free mind, Malik. What's Most dominant choice? player because
0: since Shaq. because of how good the Bucks are. I have to go Giannis.
2: Oh wow! I thought you were going for sure go James.
0: I think if you just
1: go based off value of
0: what the team would do without is winning them, MVP.
1: I think uh, the Rockets could win some games just by shooting threes the way they do. Yeah.
2: Well, that's going to do it for the show. It's April 9th, 2019. We wrapped up March Madness. Preparing for the NBA playoffs. We'll have our playoff preview next week. We will see you guys next time.
0: Bye, March Madness. Shout-out to Pat Connison. And, oh, yeah, Russ 2020 and 21. Great game. That was for Nipsey Hussle, RIP.
2: Shout-out AAF. Oh.